0: Good to see y'all this morning. Listen, we are in this series called D N R. You know, as we at as we look towards twenty twenty, just a new year and all the new that we hope to happen in our lives, there's some things we need to leave in twenty nineteen. Amen. There's some things that happen, some things that we've done. And listen, we really believe that God wants to transform your life every day. We believe it today and for the rest of the year. And in order for God to be able to do that, there's some things we have to let go of, some things we have to just kind of put to death and let them stay dead. And that's what we've been unpacking. Last week, we talked a little bit about worry. Anybody worry this week? All right, so what I said didn't work. All right, gotcha. Um, no, I get it. We all worry and we want to try to put that behind us so it doesn't take us and follow us into 2020. And to get into today's topic, I just want to tell you a little story, see if you've ever had anything like this happen to you. You know, there was a Sunday and it was an Easter Sunday and, uh, and Easter is always big for people in my profession. You know that, right? And so uh, it was a big Sunday and so I'm I'm ready. I'm up early and <clears throat> I'm, I'm ready and I'm getting out and I go and I get in the car and I put my bag in the car and I'm, I'm coming to church by myself. My kid, My wife and kids are going to come later and so I got coffee and I'm just excited. I got my fresh, clean clothes on. And so I'm backing down the driveway. And as I'm backing down the driveway, I'm hitting the button for my garage door opener. My garage door won't close. Anybody ever had that happen? Yeah, just, it's just frustrating. And so, like, I'm a good husband, so I want the garage door to close while my family's inside. And so I'm going to go and just do it manually. And so I take my coffee and I put it up on the dash of the car, and then I step out of the car to just run up and hit the keypad real quick. And as I put my second foot on the ground, my right foot on the ground, I realized something really critical. I forgot to put it in park. <laughs> and so... Um, man, I I think really fast. And so in that moment, everything flashes before your eyes, everything slows down. And I've had this picture of my car barreling down my driveway across the street into my neighbor's house and hurting somebody, you know, I'm, I'm panicked. So I jump back in the car and I do two things. The first thing I do is I get my right foot and I aim it towards the brake. And as I'm doing that, I think, ah, there's coffee on the dash, let me grab it with my, with my hand. So as I slam my right foot on the brake and I grab the coffee, the inertia of the, me moving back with the car causes me to keep moving and my car stops. And so my lower spine hits the post that connects the door to the car and severs my spinal column, or so I thought in the moment. I am standing there in just intense pain one foot on the brake, one foot on the coffee. And the reason I know my spinal column is severed is because I've got this tingling sensation all over. And I find out later the tingling sensation wasn't my spine. It was just the hot coffee running down my arm, under my arm, into my waistband, and down to my shoes. And so I'm standing there in intense pain, wondering what I'm going to do. I can't move. I can't move. My clean clothes are dirty. I got to get to church. It's Easter. My family's inside. I can't move. What do I do? And somehow through a miracle, I was able to reach over and put it in park. And as I put it in park, guess what the first thing I did was? Intense pain. I look up and down the street to see if anybody saw me make that mistake. (laughs) Because I didn't want to be embarrassed and look foolish in front of other people. Anybody ever done that? You did something, made a mistake, said something, like, "Oh, I hope nobody saw that. I hope nobody was paying attention. And, and, and the reason why we do that is because we're people pleasers at heart. And it doesn't just happen when accidents happen. Like, we're intentional about it. Like, we want to fit in. We'll go places that other people go, even though we don't want to, just to fit in and be accepted. We'll say things. Man, we'll, we'll watch things. We'll buy things just to be accepted. And here's the image that I have of that. How many of you have ever been to uh, maybe a big city, New York, um, maybe Washington, where they have a subway? And you've noticed in the subway that there's a a, a musician playing, performing for tips. You ever seen that? And here's what happens in our life, is that we we will perform for tips when we play to the crowd. Now, Now, it's a little like this. Now, I have a pretty nice tip jar because I am in North Atlanta right and so I've got a Yeti with the Stone Creek logo on it that you can put tips in and I'll give you this for a certain amount of tip but hey um, and I'm just hoping that you'll you'll fill up my acceptance bucket so I'll feel valued Hillary will you just tell me what a great pastor I am Harold, man, tell, tell, tell me how much you love being at, at this church. Hey, Brent, man, just will you just tell me how awesome I am and how good I look? Right, right? Like, Joe, will you tell me how funny I am, please? Man, Joe, will you tell me how fun it is to work for me? You know, and I just... And we're like beggars searching for tips. And we're asking poor people to make us rich. And we just search for acceptance in places that we don't need to and we're looking to fit in and we're looking to get value and looking to be validated. Listen, watch what God says about you today. In Psalm chapter 8, David writes this. He says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. So he's painting this grand picture of creation, obviously. Literally the fingers of God created the heavens, the moons, the stars, everything. What is man that you were mindful of him? Like, what is a human being that we seem so small and insignificant that God values us, treasures us, adores us? What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly things, heavenly beings, and crown him with glory and honor. And so what happens is God tells us that we're valuable. God sends his son to prove to us that we're valuable. He lets us know that we are accepted, that we do fit in, that we do have a place. So we need to be sure that's where we're looking, right? We need to be sure that he's our audience. You see, God wants you to live in confidence. Man, God didn't want you to be insecure. It doesn't want you to be looking over your shoulder, looking at who's looking at you all the time, wondering if they affirm what you're doing or value you. God wants you to live with confidence this morning. Man, God wants you to live connected to him. Listen, when you're connected to God and you understand what he thinks of you and the value he places in your heart because he created you, you live differently. You live differently. Man, your failures don't mean as much. They don't mark you as long, right? They don't sting as bad when you're connected to God. Then eventually he wants you to be a catalyst for life change. Man, God wants to use you, where you are, everything you've experienced, all that you've gone through, to be a catalyst to change someone's life. That's what God has for you today. So why is it that we would live for somebody else? Why is it that we would look to an audience that's outside of the audience of God when we can get value and purpose and meaning that's found that comes through knowing who Jesus is and what he says about us? Like, this is the life that we get to live. Man, listen, some of you have spent a lifetime trying to gain somebody's approval, haven't you? You're in the career that you're in. You went to the university. You, you did. And you... Man, had kids, got married to try to gain someone's approval, and you spent a lifetime, and for some of you, maybe they're not even around anymore, and you're still chasing that ghost. And God says, listen, you have approval. Stop doing that. We, some of us have made agreements that will never fit in, that I have to fake it. I have to pretend. I have to be a beggar. And God says, you're not a beggar. So we want to unpack that this morning a little bit. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 1 and end in verse 1. It'll be really long. Um, but we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 today. Now, i love for you to grab a paperback. Also, you know, grab an app, look at it, kind of read along with us. Matthew chapter 6. Now, Jesus is in the middle of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the longest sermon that we have recorded of Jesus' words. Uh, and you may have a Bible that has red letters because he said these words. And so he's kind of painting the picture of what it looks like to live life here. Right. How does it look? How does the gospel look here? How does the message of God look to how do we live it out here? And this is what he's doing. And so in every culture, there's certain behavioral norms that are accepted. You get that? So so in our culture, there's certain behavioral norms that are accepted. So, you know, most people will, you know, you you'd want to be employed and you live in a home and you want to not have, you know, appliances in your front yard and you you have your house painted a certain color there's there's certain things that we consider normal that kind of make us part of society and approved and so Jesus is going to address those here for this and it's a religious culture so there's some religious things that they're doing for the wrong audience and watch what he says he says beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them for then you will have no reward from your father who's in heaven no reward, right? Beware of practicing your righteousness. You will have no reward. Now listen, we're a culture that likes reward, don't you? How many of you work for free, right? We like a reward. We want to win. When you get, I used to love to get cereal because the prize was in there. Remember that back in the old days? They don't do that anymore. Um, but I want the reward, and so we all do. And He gives us this. Caution! This warning of how we could actually not get the reward that's waiting for us. Now, he uses this word "practicing righteousness." The word "practicing" literally means performing. Just so think about it a minute. It means performing. It means putting on a show. This is what he's saying. Listen, be careful. That you're not play acting. Be careful that you're not faking it. Be careful that you're not just performing. Then he goes on and uses this phrase to be seen. Now, now to be seen by other people, to be seen by men and not by God. Now, the word for to be seen is actually the word theomai. It's a Greek word um, that we have theomai. Now, I think probably for some of you who took um, some lit, you know, you could probably think of a word that's an English word that came from that Greek word just by looking at the spelling right? The word theoma actually turns into the word theater in English. So he's saying in his very explicitly, hey, don't perform as if you're in a theater. Don't play act, like don't put on a chef, don't put on airs, like don't fake it, like be who you're created to be. Hey, don't go into a conversation and pretend you know what they're talking about when, when they don't. Listen, don't go buy that just because your neighbor bought that. Don't pretend. Don't fake it. God's looking for more than that. You know, in in the message version of it, he says it this way He says, Be especially careful when you're trying to be good, right? Be accepted so that you don't make a performance out of it, right? You don't fake it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. Now, that's heavy. Like, God's not applauding. Matter of fact, he's not even counting it for your good. You see, here's the thing about God. God wants you to be who he's created you to be. Listen, God's created you to be somebody deep down. God has given you an identity and a unique footprint and fingerprint to live out in this world. And listen, when you're faking it just to fit in, you're making a statement about God's power and authority and love for you. Listen, this is a statement about God, not just about us. You know, in Psalm chapter 51, David writes this. You delight in truth in the inward being. In other words, deep down, when I think about myself, you want me to think about myself rightly. You want me to know who I am. You want me to be who you've created me to be. You want me to not be a fake. You want truth. You want truth. Like, nobody nobody likes to deal with somebody who's just faking it, do they? Like, when we live in the world of fake, come on. You can get fake meat if you're a vegetarian. You can get a fake wedding band. You can get a Finsta, a fake Instagram profile. Man, there's so much that's fake in our culture. There's so much that's superficial in our culture. And nobody likes to deal with a fake. Because if we're dealing with a fake, what does that mean? They're probably manipulating us. They're probably going to trick us. They're probably going to take something from us. Listen, no one wants to deal with a fake. Nobody likes a fake. And neither does God. Listen, you are denigrating God's creation of you when you try to be somebody that you're not. And listen, play into the theater, man, it is a trap. It is a trap. Watch what he says in Proverbs. He says, the fear of man, or or pretending to be somebody you're not, right? Fear of man, that's the flip side of wanting to be accepted. On one side, hey, I want to be accepted by people. The other side is it makes me afraid of what people think of me. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe, you know? Uh, and a snare is just a trap that's been camouflaged that you're gonna step in and it's gonna hurt you bad and you're not gonna know what's coming, you know? Like back when my one of my kids was a senior in high school. They had these things called junior-senior wars. Anybody, anybody a part of those, right? Yes, yeah, some of you poor parents. I get it. And so here's how junior-senior wars go. People show up, and they've got these machine guns and bazookas and fire flan- No, I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. But what happens is overnight, when hopefully you're not looking, they come in, and they toilet paper your yard. And so my front yard has got a lot of trees in it, so it's a target-rich environment for people who want a toilet paper. So we, me and my son, we, we kind of come up with this plan like we're going to lay a snare, a trap for people who come in. So we went down to Tractor Supply and we bought those big bear traps that they step in and it cuts their leg off. <laughs> Not really. So what we did was around the trees is we, we tied a lot of fishing wire and tied to some things that will make noise so that when people came running up in there to throw toilet paper, it would alert us, and then we could run out with our shotguns. Um, <laughs> right? The latest snare. You, you get what a snare is. It's a trap. It's something that's going to hurt you. And here's what the Proverbs is saying. He's like, when you, when you play to the crowd, you have fear of man, and that's where the direction of your life, it's going to trap you. It's going to trap you into living a life that's not yours. And guess what? It's going to make you very, very tired, very tired, because you're always going to be wondering and worrying and manipulating and thinking and scheming on whichever audience you're in and whatever environment you're in and who you're talking to in that moment. It's going to make you very tired. You know, when we think of, when I think of theater, when I think of actors and pretending, obviously my mind goes to the big screen, you know, the big screen. I think of, you know, some of my favorite movies and the actors that play them, like favorite movie, got to be the Bourne trilogy, right? Um, Or it's a quadrilogy now, I guess with four. Um, But Jason Bourne played by Matt Damon. Listen, Matt Damon cannot kill somebody with a pen. I know that. (laughs) Matt Damon didn't, he didn't come back from Mars. I know he's just acting. He's just pretending. And just this last week, uh, there was, you know, the award shows, the Golden Globes came out, but um, it just reminded me that what actors go through to place themselves in character Um, And so a few years ago, Heath Ledger um, won Best Supporting Actor for his role as Joker in Batman. Some of you remember him playing that. It was an amazing performance, and he actually won. And if you begin to read a little bit about how he prepared for that movie, what happened is he immersed himself for an entire month in a hotel room, and he just began to write the backstory of what he thought it would have been like to grow up as the person who became the Joker. And He thought about his parents. He thought about you know, where he went to school. He thought about how he'd been treated. He thought about past relationships. And he just spent a month writing that out and immersing himself in this character. And he goes on, he went on after he won the award to talk that you know for months after, he won, after the movie filming was over, he slept for only two hours a night because his mind could not turn off from thinking through all of the things that had happened to the Joker. It was a trap. Man, it sucked him into a life to being somebody that he wasn't. Man, that uh, Anne Hathaway won Best Supporting Actress in *Lay Miss*. Some of you, maybe you remember that, and you can even tell from that particular uh, photo how much weight she lost. Anne Hathaway lost twenty-five pounds in just a matter of weeks, and uh, as she won Best Supporting Actress in that role, she um, she was criticized at the uh, Academy Awards for her acceptance speech, that she didn't seem really happy. And here's what Anne Hathaway said about the experience. She said at the, when she was in front of the crowd, she says, I felt very uncomfortable. I kind of lost my mind doing that movie, and it had to come, hadn't come back yet. And I had to stand up in front of people and feel something that I don't feel, which is uncomplicated happiness. It's obvious if you win an Oscar, you're supposed to be happy, but I wasn't. Immersing herself in that role. man, it, had, it caused her to lose something. And here's what Heath Ledger lost. And here's what Anne Hathaway lost. And here's what you will lose. You will lose you. Listen, you will lose you. When you begin to live for the applaud and the acclaim of the wrong crowd, you're going to lose who God's created you to be. Man, the theater life, man, it's a It's a trap. And you lose you. And what ends up happening is you end up playing your life to a very small audience. And it gives you a very small life. When the invitation from God is to play and to, and to let him be the judge of your life. And you end up with a very big life. You know, there's some ways that we all, that, uh, just kind of jotted down a few ways that, man, a lot of times that we kind of pretend, we fake it, we try to be maybe better than we are. So guys, for you, let's go first. What about at the gym? You ever seen some folks at the gym and they put on a little more weight on the bar than they should, right? They get on that treadmill and make it go a little faster than they should and ends up spitting them right off the back. (laughs) Love that when that happens. Them, not me. That's never happened to me before. Man, and we see people sometimes at the gym and they just I, like I, yeah I was working out the other day and, and here's what I know about that like when you put a little more weight on the bar and people watch you work out here's what they do they go home and they tell their wives man I was working out next to this guy, and he was super strong no they don't they never saw you they don't care right but we we do that at the gym ladies what about this you get a nice purse Louis Vuitton whatever and someone says wow how how much I love that purse that's awesome that's gorgeous and here's what you, here's the first thing you say I got it on sale don't you why? Because you don't want them to think you paid retail for it. Right? You're you're concerned about what they may about what they may say, what they may, what they may think. Have you ever had the dream? Have you ever had a dream that you had to be somewhere in public and you're running around in your underwear? Anybody have that dream? Welcome to my Saturday night. Every single week. I think this is why I think every man or everybody should actually take up golf. It's just so embarrassing to play. You get over, you get over your self-image really quick. Man, you play favoritism, especially at work, at work, because there's a certain way that you fit in, a certain person you need to know, a certain person that needs to approve you to make you approve by everybody else. So you play, you play favorites at work. And you say yes to go to events you really don't want to go to, just because you know that people are going to talk about it and people are going to be there that you need to connect with, and we say yes, and you're insecure about it, but you go anyway. Hey, a big one is fear of conflict. Man, when we're worried about the audience of other people and what they think of us, man, we get fear of conflict. We won't step into a hard conversation with somebody because of what they may think of us. And even though we may see them walking towards a path of destruction, we know for certain their life's going to end in a bad way or this particular behavior is going to end. We won't step in because here's what we do. We're more worried about what they think of us than we're worried about them. We love them putting a little tip in our jar more than we love them as a person fear of conflict man and we try to impress people and and people are easily impressed by celebrities have you noticed this like if you know a celebrity you're gonna drop that name in a hurry yeah yeah I was with Steven the other day yeah (laughs) I was at the gym you know one of the things about living in our area is that there's a lot of celebrities here you know and you run into them at stores and places and so um I was at the gym one day and uh I kind and I like, like, I appreciate celebrities, don't get me wrong, but I'm just not a big autograph hound. As a matter of fact, when some, some, somebody will come to our church and somebody's asking for an autograph, I'm like, what in the world? Like, I think you just got doomed to hell for doing that, right? But, um, <laughs> but you know, I'm just, I'm not a big autograph hound. So, but I'm, I'm at the gym and I get on the treadmill and I start going and I realize that right next to me is a guy in our community, you'd all know his name, he's a big celebrity, you know, he's done a lot of really good things and he's pretty important. And so, he's, so I text my wife, like, I'm on the treadmill, like, hey, so-and-so is on the treadmill next to me, should I be impressed? Here's what my wife texts me back. No, he should be. Oh, isn't that awesome? I got that same reaction. Oh, man, that's awesome. Right? We try to impress people by who we know, where we go, the things that we the things we do. Hey, hey, here's one. Here's one. We try we try to we try to gain acceptance with our kids. We either try to look good through them or to them. And we put our kids in activities we want them to succeed, and certainly we should want them to succeed. But We, we get a lot of value when they get a pat on the back or they're the highest score, the highest SAT score, or the right college, or they went to this particular event. Man, we, we get a lot of value from that. And it, it, begins, to, it begins to mark us. Or, or if we don't try to get it look good through them, we try to look good to them, and we'd rather be a friend to our kids and actually setting up boundaries that's going to help them have a healthy, productive future. And we wonder why their life comes off the rails, and it's because as parents, man, we didn't we didn't step into the hard conversations, the hard decisions, the times to say no. Hey, for, for, for you guys who are parents that don't have teenagers yet, let me just let you in on a little secret: your kids going to say this to you. Everybody's doing it, and they are lying. It is, not, it is not true. Everybody's not doing it. And if they are, so what? They are not where we're looking for our applause from. They're not where we're looking for our applause from. You know, there's a quote by Eleanor Roosevelt that always kind of makes this point. You, sh- you wouldn't worry so much about what others think of you if you realized how seldom they do. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like the people we're trying to impress, you get out the door, they don't even think about you anymore. Right? I think about this. This is my life, you know? And if, if we just would stop and think a little bit about what people think of us. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus gives us a way out. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness. Now, when he says beware, here's what it means. It means like, Set your course towards. So he says, don't set your course towards the applause of people, but set your course towards God. Hey, worry about what God thinks about you. Set your eyes on who God has because God's got a plan for you and God's got value for you. And if you want a way out of people pleasing, that's the first thing that we have to do, man. We have to just set our course and we just have to choose the direction that we're going in. And we're going to choose that God has the greatest thing to say about us. His word is final for us in our lives. Now, now the reality is it is important what people think. We like to say, I don't care what people think. You've heard people say this. I don't care what people think. I don't care what they think. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, here's what happens. You're doing what you want to do based on what people think, right? That's just an inverted way of looking at it. Listen, nowhere in the Bible does it say, hey, don't, don't care what people think. Certainly. How can we serve somebody if we don't care about them? Now, the difference is we're not looking for their praise, but we're looking to meet their need. I wrote this down. Listen, we, we're not looking out for, we are looking out for their good, not ours. Okay, think about it that way. Man, we're looking out for somebody else's good, that's the way to do it. Because sometimes it all looks the same. You know, at home, if I love my wife, adore my wife, serve my wife, and do all that stuff, there's a couple of reasons I can do it. I can do it because I should, and that's the kind of husband I want to be, and that's what I want to be known for, and because she, she deserves it. Or I can do it so she will tell me how, what a great husband I am and fill up my cup. And that is the wrong motivation. And we do it for their good, not for ours. When we serve people, we're doing it not so they will praise us, but so that we can help them in their poverty. And so when we choose God, when we turn our eyes towards God, when we, when we just make a conscious decision, He's most important. This is the first step. This is the first step at living in confidence. You know, we can't let what other people think become what we worship. Because what happens when your children are the final verdict on you? Like what happens when your spouse is the final verdict on you? What happens when your boss or your friends or your tennis team or your golf buddies, like what happens when they're the final verdict on you? It's a house of cards and it's gonna collapse and your cup is always gonna be empty, always. We can't let what other people think be what we worship. Man, it just frees us up. Man, there's so much freedom. There's so much freedom in just living for an audience of one. It frees us up, man, when we choose God. But also, it helps us just in the conversations that we have. You have to have a conversation with ourselves that, man, we matter. We are valuable. That God's created us for a purpose, on purpose, with a purpose. Like, we have to have that. That has to be the, the, the words that are going through our minds at times. And we have to choose God first. Listen, we were made to be accepted. Like, we were made to do that. That's why our heart wants it so desperately, this is why we search after it. It's because God's created us to want to be accepted. You know, it's like the great theologian Rocky Balboa said. He said, I want to go 15 rounds with the champ so that I'll know that I'm not a bum. I mean, we all want to know that, but we have to take it to the right place because many of us, if we're honest, man, we have, we've been rejected, haven't we? Man, we, we, we've had this stamp across our lives and across our hearts. And maybe for you, it was... Maybe it started young, when you were a kid, and maybe it was a parent who said, you'll never measure up. You're lazy. You're ugly. You're not going to ever amount to anything, and you just have this stamp of rejection that's over your heart. Man, it could have been the time you went out for the team and didn't make the team, the time you asked her out and she said no, the time you thought you were getting married and you weren't, the time you were married and now you're not. And we live with this sense of rejection that marks how we think of ourselves. And we'll never live beyond how we think about ourselves. And we will never live beyond that. Watch what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1. Paul says, you were once alienated, you were once rejected, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled you in his body of flesh by his death to present you holy, to accept you, and blameless. And listen now, we're not We're not rejected anymore. Man, we're accepted because of the work that Jesus did for us. Man, the reality is is that God loves us so deeply and desperately that he knew that we were living this life of rejection, and even we had rejected him. But he sent Jesus to come so he could be the bridge for us to have have acceptance. Literally, Jesus was rejected. He took our sin so that we could have acceptance. Like, this is the story of the gospel. Listen, in every area of your life, whenever you feel like you're rejected, remember, man, God has accepted you. There's no other power that can hold you back. You don't have to live a life of being tired and struggling with how do I measure up and how do I make it through and how do I move forward? Man, how do I approve impress everybody? Man, you don't have to live that life. You can live a life knowing that God has accepted you. Listen, when you're accepted by God, there's no other audience that matters listen when he is so big in your mind when you choose him first listen he's all that matters you know kind of to take off on the Eleanor Roosevelt quote you wouldn't worry so much what others think of you if you realized how much God thinks of you you wouldn't worry so much man you have to wake up every morning and fight for that man the world is going to tell you differently you have to wake up every morning you have to choose and you have to say God I believe that you've accepted me and I, re, I reject the idea that you've rejected me. Man, I believe, I accept the idea that you died for me. And I believe, I accept the idea that I have value and worth, that I've been adopted into the family, that my past can't hold me back, that the truest thing about you, me is not my rejection, but it's your acceptance of me. This is a daily battle. It's something we have to do on a daily basis. And when you have those, th- those thoughts that creep in your mind every day about, is this gonna work? Am I gonna fit in? Am I gonna be embarrassed? Do I have to live in shame? Am I gonna have to live in guilt anymore? You say, no, no. I'm not gonna tolerate that thinking anymore. Because God has saved me and God has proven it through the historical movement of the tomb that he he was resurrected so that I could have life and so that I could be accepted. Listen, who have you spent a lifetime trying to be accepted by? Is it your parents? Man, is it your friends? Listen, they don't have the final word on you. And you can quit trying, because guess what? You're never gonna measure up to them. Because their bar is so skewed. And we're just, man, we're just poor beggars trying to get poor people to make us rich. And we're just broken people trying to get broken people to make us whole. It'll never work. Listen, I just want to tell you right now, based on what I know of what God says, listen, you don't have to settle for crumbs on the table. You have a place at the table. You have a seat at the table because of what Jesus did for you. Let's pray together. And as we just have a quiet moment, just to kind of process the last few minutes and what you heard from me, but from the Lord, more importantly, it would just settle into your mind and your heart right now. And just as we just let our imaginations think to those places where we've been trying too hard to measure up, to fit in, to be accepted. Maybe you have to look to a place where you feel rejected right now. You know, maybe there's a place as a kid we were rejected, or a teenager, or as an adult, and you've taken that as a final verdict on your identity. God says, No, 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 daughter, no son. I sent my son for you. That's your place. That's your value. That's your worth. That's where you get your reward. So just hold that image in your mind. Just let God do something with that, man. Just vow, you're not going to live like that anymore. It's not going to define you. It's not going to be your God. You're not going to look to stand on a stage in front of other people, but just to stand on a stage and let God be the arbiter of your reward. You know, for some of us, as we just, again, in a spirit of prayer, you've never made that decision to choose Jesus, to choose that he's who gives you value and worth and dignity and honor glory and accepts you. I'd love to just give you a chance in this moment the way that works is you just, in your own heart, you just make a prayer of commitment. And I'll lead you in that prayer. And it's the words of your heart that really matter. Dear God, I've tried to let other people fill my cup and give me acceptance. I trust that you died so that I could be accepted. That you died for my sin because you loved me, not because I earned it. And I Will do my best to follow you the rest of my life and live for an audience of one you know, the Bible says that if you've done that man you have stepped into a new life that you have God's value you have his stamp of approval and I would love to help you today Just to, let's just mark that moment because those memories they're holding you back too much those thoughts they're coming back too much and you, you can't by, under your own power put them to death you need the power of the gospel in your life so I'm going to count to three here in just a second. I'm just going to ask you to mark the moment by and just raising your hand in victory. By just raising your hand in victory. If you prayed that prayer, I'm just going to invite you to just mark the moment today. It's your first step to follow Jesus. On the count of three, let's just raise our hand. One, two, three. All over the room. Thank you. And God sees you. Yeah, God sees you. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yes. God, we know that you accept us. Man, we know that the, the message of the gospel is that we have good news. We have a place at the table. God, that we're adopted in the family. Man, we don't have to listen. We don't have to prove ourselves. We can just love people freely, not because of what they can give us, but because of what you can give them. God, that we don't have to live for other people's worship or acclaim. That God, you look at us with vow. You want to grow us in the people that you've created us to be. You want to change us and transform us because you love us, not because you're mad at us. And God, that you have a vision for our lives that's so much bigger than we have for ourselves. And that God, we'd be, we can't reach that vision if we're trying to be somebody that you haven't created us to be. So God, that we wouldn't just let our culture define us. Man, we wouldn't just keep looking around, wondering where we can fit in and who are our people. You're our people. <laughs> you're it. And we choose you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.